Solinsky. We just visited with Bishop Kagan, and my next guest is Monsignor James Shea, President of the University of Mary here in Bismarck, North Dakota. Monsignor, good morning to you. Good morning. Great to be with you, Monsignor. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I, I think the last time I interviewed you was at the Eucharistic Congress briefly. Oh, yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, you're, you're very well known. You, you've been president uh, out at the university since... Nine? 2009. Yeah, 2009. so a, a long time. Long time. A lot has changed. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself for our new uh, listeners in the Upper Midwest. Sure. I, you know, I'm a I'm a farm boy from Hazelton, North Dakota, which is about 40 miles from Bismarck. My parents are celebrating their 50th anniversary this oh, month. Wow! On the 29th of December, 50 years ago, at the Pro Cathedral of St. Mary, they were married. Uh, my mom grew up in Richardson, which yes. is where Karen is from. And my dad is from Hazelton. I'm the oldest of eight children. Uh, when when I was a little boy, in our home parishes, we had the Precious Blood Fathers, uh, who were working in this diocese oh, yeah. as missionaries, and they were really good to us kids. You know, I and I wanted to be like them. They were happy and and prayerful, and uh, so I felt the call to priesthood from a very young age. Um, and then um, I went to the seminary, and they didn't ever kick me out. <laughs> <laughs> I became a priest. I was ordained in 2002, and uh, I served uh, here in Bismarck. I was a high school teacher, and then I was out in Kildare, also as a high school teacher in Dickinson, but I mm -hmm. was the pastor in Kildare and Halliday, uh, out with the wonderful cowboys out there, and then in 2009, I came to the University of Mary. I've been working there ever since, and it's been a wonderful experience. Uh, uh, we can talk about um, a few things. Uh, I only have you to the top of the hour, Monsignor. Let's talk about the book, The Religion of the Day, that has, has come out. First of all, um, tell us why and, and how did this book come to be formulated? Um, yeah, so in the midst of the pandemic, in May of 2020, the University of Mary uh, released a small essay called From Christendom to Apostolic Mission. Uh, which kind of, in a way that surprised all of us, really was deeply surprising, kind of took the Catholic world by storm. Uh, we published it as an internal piece. I think the first printing must have been 350 copies or something. I just wanted to give uh, our people at the University of Mary kind of a road map or a Magna Carta of the kind of thing that we're up to and, and the times in which we find ourselves. But what happened is that it began to slowly sell. We never... We never took out a single ad for it. We never promoted it at all. And by um, September of that year, we were selling more than 150 copies every single day out of our bookstore. Wow. And I think probably there are a quarter million copies or something in circulation now, which is really amazing. Mm -hmm. At the end, So that, that book, that essay, simply says that we find ourselves in one of those moments in history when you can draw a bright line between everything that came before and everything that's coming after. And that the popes, from John the 23rd to Paul the 6th to John Paul the 2nd, Benedict the 16th and Francis, have all been telling us, we've got to wake up. We're in a new age. We're not in a Christendom age anymore, an age in which uh, the, the, the society takes its, its uh, moral guidance and its narrative from the gospel, from Christianity. We're in a new apostolic age. And we've been here before, way, way back then, and that the strategies that worked in a Christendom time, when you and I were growing up uh, in Williston and Hazleton and Richardson, uh, aren't going to work today. Uh, and so we need to think that through. At the end of that book, Monsignor, uh, we had just a little sketch of the difference between the Catholic imaginative vision, sort of not just the catechism, but the epic drama of the faith, 
which is what captures hearts and minds and imaginations and which is necessary for us to tap into in order to do effective evangelization. And we contrasted that with the secular progressive vision. Well, what we realized then uh, is that it was necessary to flesh that out more. And so last month we released a new small essay. These are little, these are little essays. They're scarcely books. They're just like 100 pages long. You know, you can read them in an afternoon type of thing. The religion of the day is a touch more philosophical than the previous one because what we try and do is say, what's the religion that people are walking around believing right now. Even people who say that they're Christians or Catholics, what are their deepest principles and values? How, how, how has a sort of new post-Christian vision uh, infected or influenced society? And how do we need to help convert people out of it and be converted out of it ourselves? So how, how do we get here? How, how do we go from what you call Christendom to an apostolic age? Uh, I, I guess... Uh, that'll answer my next question is yeah. what what is the religion of the day I'm, I'm I always used to tell my students everybody has a religion yeah. religion <laughs> by its meaning means to reconnect or to reread and um, how do we how do we get here and and what what is the religion of the day because I think we're going to move into a, a postmodern type philosophical discussion here right yeah where, where whatever floats your boat there's no moral absolutes uh, you know uh, what what has been seen as true stories are now fairy tales Mm -hmm. and, and the narratives don't even hold anymore. Uh, tell us tell us how we got here and where are we? Yeah, well, to, to speak about how we got here, we, we do need to talk about Christendom and how it came about. And so for the first 300, 350 years, and those of us who have lived in Rome know this up close and personal, for the first 300, 350 years, Christianity was on the run. To say that you belong to Jesus Christ, that you believed in him, in the gospel, in his saving promises, uh, was uh, to put yourself forward for martyrdom. That all changed, of course, um, because, th well, for many reasons. The witness of the martyrs, yesterday we remembered St. Lucy, right, one of the virgin martyrs. The witness of the martyrs, the preaching of the gospel. There was an apostolic mindset that the early Christians had. And then there were political dynamics as well. Uh, we have the conversion of Constantine after... Uh, the Battle of the Milvian Bridge, and all of those things. Slowly but surely, Christianity came to challenge the, the predominant Greco-Roman vision of the world, which was a powerful way of seeing reality, and overcome it. That ushered in long ages of Christendom. Uh, and, and, and this was a time in which uh, the society and the culture of Western Europe, then of Europe, then of uh, the Americas, was deep Africa, missionary portions of Asia, places like the Philippines, were deeply affected by this Christian vision. About 300 years ago, there was a, there there was a group of thinkers um, called the Enlighteners who ushered in a new vision of modernity. And they didn't begin, people think that they began by rejecting God. They didn't actually begin by rejecting God. The first thing that they went after, the thing that they didn't like, that they were deeply impatient with, was the doctrine of the fall. God was useful to the Enlightenment philosophers, but the doctrine of the fall, the idea that we had uh, rebelled against God, that we were deeply wounded, that we needed to be saved from anything, they were very impatient with that, and they did away with it. That was the beginning of modernity. That was the beginning of the modern world, the rejection of the fall. Now, you remember G.K. Chesterton said that that's the only doctrine in the Christian faith that's empirically provable <laughs> <laughs> that we're fallen. <laughs> you know, see it every day. Right. Uh, get, getting back to this trend 
transition. Sure. The Roman Empire didn't like a new king and a new kingdom. Yeah. And we suffered for it through martyrdom. Mm -hmm. And we know that the blood of the martyrs is the seed of our faith. Yeah. We have to take a break here in just a couple of minutes, Monsignor Shea. Yes. Uh, how uh, I want to uh, kind of end on a high note here before the break. Uh, how is this, th the age of martyrdom was good for us. Mm -hmm. which, which brought, and I if the church made it through the first four centuries, I think we can make it through this century. Uh, how is this going to serve us well? Yeah, well, so the church becomes smaller. Benedict XVI mm -hmm. saw that when he was Joseph Ratzinger back in 1969. That means that it begins to attract the most high-hearted people, uh, people who are really serious about their faith. There's less hypocrisy in a new apostolic age, which is wonderful, because people who think that they might benefit from, uh, from church offices wake up and say, gosh, I should find something better to do. Uh, and there is the, the, the possibility of... Um, of, of suffering for one's faith, which was always considered and should be considered an honor uh, for Catholics. And so I think that those are some of the great advantages of a new apostolic age in which we find ourselves. Uh, we're going to take a short break, uh, if we can, Aaron. I think we might be a, a couple minutes early, but we're going we're gonna to go a little longer on our second segment. My name is Monsignor Schumacher, and this is Real Presence Live. My guest is Monsignor James Shea, the president of the University of Mary, and we're talking about the book, The Religion of the Day, and this is all some very good stuff. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in one moment. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Did you know you can listen to the RPR Network when you're on the go? Just search for Real Presence Radio in your app store. Listen live to any station across the network at any time, so you can stay connected to your local community from wherever you are. Plus, if you miss a program, the Real Presence Radio app is your one-stop shop for local and national podcasts, including our signature show, Real Presence Live. The Real Presence Radio app, with you every step of your faith journey. Download it today and see what you've been missing. Hi, I'm Father Chris Alar. In this world of suffering and pain today, we've all experienced some kind of loss, especially the death of a loved one. There's an opportunity for us to still help them, however. And I invite you to please visit our website, suicideandhope.com. If you have lost someone tragically, please enter their name. You do not have to put their full name. You can put initials or a first name or even a nickname. But I will personally pray for each and every person whose name is entered onto that website in memorial. I will also say a Mass every month for these people, imploring God's mercy upon the salvation of their soul. So there is no obligation, there is no cost. All we ask is that you bring your heart and the love that you have for your loved one to our site, list them there, and allow us to pray for them. Again, suicideandhope.com. Did you know you can listen to Real Presence Live anytime on any podcast platform? Just search for Real Presence Radio on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on the Real Presence Radio website. Then subscribe so you don't miss any future shows. If you like what you hear, give us a good rating so other people can find us as well. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network. 
bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. All right, it's good to uh, good to have all of you back. We're coming up on 45 minutes past the hour. Wherever you are, my guest on this Real Presence Live segment is Monsignor James Shea. We're talking about the book entitled The Religion of the Day. That, that's, uh, Monsignor, let's go back to that very simply uh, again. Why the title? What is the religion of the day? Yeah, the title was taken from a sermon that John Henry Newman preached, but what it describes is, what's the religion of our time? What's the saving story that people believe in the times in which we live? And how can the saving story of Christianity overtake that once again, as it did once before? through evangelization. How can that happen? So, so how, how do we get there? Yeah, so how, how do we get to the, uh, to the evangelization? Yeah, or, yeah. I, or we were talking about during the yeah. break, the, the, you know, kind of the summary, the, the, the core of the book. Yeah, so, so I think it's important for us to have a, a right understanding of the church, and you pointed to that chapter, um, Fighting the Battle Inside of the Church. When we think about Jesus, which we should be doing all of the time, when we think about Jesus, we realize that um, that his his incarnation, which we celebrate at Christmas, was, as C.S. Lewis said, stealing behind enemy lines. That's what he was doing in a very unexpected and silent way. He was stealing behind enemy lines. He then took upon himself all the diseases of the world. Those diseases uh, caused him great harm. He evident he he he. Um, eventually died, but because he was the Son of God and had the principle of divinity, he had the divine life, he, death couldn't keep him, he rose from the dead. His body through time is the church, and that same process happens in every age in the church, and we don't realize it. And so then we, we become angry, we become discouraged, but in every age... We become tired. Tired, exhausted. The church in every age takes into herself all of the diseases of that time, all of the heresies, all of the bad ideas, all of the wickedness. In some of her members, the church takes into herself that, that, that same struggle of the age. Why? Because then a great battle happens inside of the church. The church even grows sick from it. But because the, the, the principle of divine life is in the church herself, she's never overtaken. Christ promised that. And so what happens then is she, like Jesus did, develops the immunity in her bloodstream. And so we see this happening in every age. We see it happening with the early Gnostics. We see it in the Arian heresy. We see it in the great struggle at the beginning of the universities in the high middle ages. In every age, God raises up great saints to fight within the church. Think about St. Francis and St. Dominic and St. Catherine of Siena. Or if we go to the age of the Renaissance, which was the time of the Reformation, all kinds, the, the, the catastrophic um, uh, division of Christianity. We see it happen there. And what does God do? He raises up St. Ignatius of Loyola, uh, uh, Angela Merici, um, uh, Teresa of Avila, um, uh, is Philip Neri, and then think about uh, the, the 18th century, uh, John Bosco, uh, John Vianney. In every age, God raises up great saints for a struggle that happens 
inside of the church. And the church then generates the immunity in her bloodstream as Jesus generated the immunity in his bloodstream by his incarnation, death, and resurrection. And so that's the idea. And then I I just want to say, and this is what the book says, are we so ignorant that we wouldn't think that that same thing would happen in our age? That all of the bad ideas would somehow find their way into the church? We're We're not utopians as Christians. So the bad ideas find their way in. A great struggle happens and God raises up great saints here at Corpus Christi Parish. And he raises up up great leaders in uh, institutions of learning such as yourself. And and I would would dare say Pope Francis is Pope for a reason. The right man at the right time. I I gave a a homily on Pope Francis about, and and, and I always said we we can never understand God's will in the present. That's right. So uh, Pope Francis is having an effect Monsignor Shea on on our church that we we don't all, all see right now. So 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 in that, tell me, let's talk a little bit about the Francis effect in all of this. Yeah. So I think um, you know I didn't hear the homily that you gave, but I'm sure it was deeply wise. Um, I think that we live in a time of hot takes, in which people are like, oh. I've got an idea about something that I saw or something that I read. I'm going to put it on social media, this kind of thing. And that's how ideas are disseminated in our time. Uh, that's difficult because that never works really from an historical perspective. <laughs> in other words, as you said, we're very unable usually to see uh, what's happening right in front of us. We do see a certain amount of uh, chaos and disorder within the church. Uh, that happens in every age. Uh, we shouldn't feel sorry for ourselves. We should be grieved, but we shouldn't be surprised. And so then we should say, okay, what are we being called to by this set of dynamics? And I think that, you know, when you, when you think of some of the teachings of Pope Francis around questions of mercy, um, around questions of uh, the nature of the church as a field hospital, those are very beautiful images which we can, uh, which we can, ask, we can ask the Lord to illuminate us with and uh, and uh, move forward. Monsignor Shea is my is my guest. I only have him for a, a couple more minutes. This is a, a a wonderful interview. You can listen to all uh, all the Real Presence live shows, really in perpetuity on on our podcasts and 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 on our website. And you may want to listen to this again. There's been a lot of uh, deep uh, processing information. We're talking about his book, the the book entitled The Religion of the Day, and he is the president of the University of Mary. Here's my question. My mm. my last question question. Um, This is a sequel to uh, From Chrysostom to an Apostolic Age. We're talking about the religion of the day. How how can we get to where we want to be, Monsignor? Uh, to, To rebuild Chrysostom? Is that what we want to do? How well, do we do it? So, uh, first of all, it's God's plan. It's not our plan, A. B, God is not nervous or anxious. You know, and so you ask about the Francis effect, uh, the synod on synodality, all of the questions, the German bishops. Lots of people have hot takes on all of these things. But God is not anxious. He's not wringing his hands. He's not, he's not uh, angry. He is attentive, and he's full of providence, which he, he is providence. And so I think that um, the rebuilding of Christendom is not something probably that we'll see in our lifetimes. Uh, and that's because Christendom is a is a deep cultural reality which I- involves the penetration of the gospel. We've lost Christendom over the course of the last 300 years. The last gasp of it probably was when we were little, 
when I was growing up in Hazleton and and um, uh, and my parents and coaches and teachers and the Catholic priests and the Lutheran minister were all on the same team. That was the end of Christendom. That was the the last gasp of it. Uh, and now we're in a new age, and I see it in the lives and hearts of our students at the University of Mary all the time. But I think that what we do is we lay the foundations by God's providence and his goodwill. We lay the foundations upon which believers after us can build. And this is great work. Remember, the, the saints of the apostolic age are the great heroes today. We can be heroes like that too, and we should aspire to it, not to be famous, but to be heroic and saintly. Looking ahead, um, let's look ahead 2,000 years. Yeah. How, how is the church 2,000 years from now? <laughs> well, first of Go, all, going, going, going to, going to view us. Right. So Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Maybe in two thousand <laughs> years we'll all be with the Lord. We'll, we'll certainly well, not and be here. Well, and Saint John was supposed to see the coming. So That's right. So how, right. how are we going to be viewed? How are we going to be viewed? Well, I think I think that that res- that depends a lot upon our response to the Holy Spirit in the times in which we live. This is a time which requires a certain amount of courage. And it requires a conversion of mind. Uh, what, what's oftentimes not realized, and this, you would expect this, I'm at a university, the early Christians in the apostolic age had a very vivid intellectual life. In the intellectual life, I'm not talking here about an academic life, but about an intellectual life. Their minds had been transformed. You see this all through the writings of St. Paul, who talks about the conversion of the mind. And even Jesus uses metanoia, right? The changing of mind. And so the conversion of our minds and the way in which our minds are given over to Christ, in which we say to him what he says to us, this is my body, this is my mind, this is myself given for you. When we make that response, he then does the rest because he sees the full plan. I got a couple minutes to go, Monsignor, as we uh, move to our hard break at the top of the hour. We're coming mm-hmm. up on 54 minutes past the hour. Uh, just very practically, for, for young people listening, for uh, adults listening, we have, we have people driving, uh, we have people at their homes, and we have some of your students listening. And you, you, you've um, in indicated that the, the, the book, Religion of the Day, um, does talk about this implicitly and explicitly, but practically. And we're people of goodwill, and we believe in the gospel as evangelium, as the good news. H- how do we how do we bring this gospel into our current world? What can we do to bring people of faith, people of goodwill? You know, practically, w- w- leave us with a, a final thought for that. Sure. So I, I think that the first thing is for us, and this is why we were talking about the nature of the church, to be realistic, by realistic I mean both idealistic and true about the true nature of the church. When our minds are clear, then we don't become emotionally reactive. I think that we give a counter witness when we become angry, when we become discouraged. Or the church is going to hell in a handbasket. All of that. All of that we need to bracket out of our lives. Instead, we need to allow ourselves to be deeply evangelized because we can't evangelize others if we aren't deeply converted ourselves. There are resources, Catholic radio, podcasts, all kinds of resources. For those who are looking, there's never been a time in which you could as deeply inform yourself about truth and about the teaching of the church as the time in which we live. So to drench the mind and the heart in the true teaching of Christ. Don't become angry. Instead, allow your mind and your will 
to be formed and to be formed deeply and then witness joyfully. And there never was a golden age where everything was perfect. No, there the never was. <laughs> no, but we, but we always think there was. <laughs> wait until we, wait until we get to talk to the saints, and they'll say, "Are you crazy? It was awful. The, the sun was h- hot. We were weary. Our arms were tired. Our our legs were tired. We thought everything was going to pot, and in fact, God was at work." In a couple minutes, faithful. in a couple mm-hmm. minutes, Monsignor, tell us what's going on at the University of Mary. What oh my goodness, there's so much. Briefly, so w- uh, our new school of engineering. So we've got five schools. The new School of Engineering is newly, fully accredited, and so that's a wonderful Congratulations. thing. No, it's a great thing. We are, uh, we are the leader in uh, education for those who are going back to school, for graduate education for the Catholic professional. And so our bioethics program, for instance, we just had the St. Jana Conference mm-hmm. of, for medical professionals on campus. Helen Alvarez was here. Uh, Ashley Fernandez was here. It was an amazing thing. So we're doing our part in educating nurses and doctors and therapists and others in firm bioethical principles. I think that that's a a really important aspect of things. Um, uh, We just had a concert. You would have been so proud, Monsignor. We had a concert at the cathedral in St. Paul, Minnesota. Probably 1,500 people were there. Uh, And they were there to hear our chapel choir, the University of Mary's Chapel Choir Capella sing. Have you had them to Corpus Christi? It's, they, they are amazing. They are amazing, and if you beg hard enough, I think <laughs> Dr. Rebecca Raber would come and sing for your masses here, and they are they're really impressive. That's cool. And so that's a wonderful thing. There's just a lot mm-hmm. happening. We're trying our best to be faithful in a new apostolic age at the university, and it's been wonderful. We have our largest freshman class ever between freshmen and transfers. More than 700 new students uh, came wow. to the University of Murray, 40% from North Dakota, the rest from outside of the state, and a lot of them end up staying here in the upper Midwest, in in the upper Midwest, and they become parishioners here at Corpus Christi I and I at other them. churches. I, 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 I see them. It's great. I want to remind everybody mm-hmm. that Monsignor James Shea is a diocesan priest. I am. The Diocese of Bismarck. Proudly I'm, I'm proud happily. to call him my diocesan brother. We uh, are diocesan priest uh, as president of the Benedictine University of Mary. Keep up the good work, Monsignor. Uh, give our best to, to everybody uh, back at the university. And uh, w- without a doubt, um, uh, the University of Mary is a, a major influence in the city of Bismarck, in, wow. in, in, the, in the diocese for sure. So well, I'm so grateful. You know, the Benedictine sisters who founded the university really uh, planted something really beautiful here. It's my honor, and I think the honor of all of us who work there to continue their legacy. And it's a great joy to be here in the Diocese of Bismarck. And it's a great joy to support a great apostle like Real Presence Radio. It's phenomenal. Uh, we're talking with Monsignor James Shea about the book, The Religion of the Day. How do people get this book? Ah, they can get it. Uh, just go to our books, uh, our bookstore website. Uh, so I think it's bookstore.umary.edu. That's the best way. You can get it on Amazon, too. But then Jeff Bezos takes all the money. And so... And, and it's it's a dollar more expensive on Amazon. So but save a dollar. Go to bookstore.umary.edu. But on my phone on Amazon, I got to push one button. <laughs> I know, I know. I know. Okay. <laughs> Monsignor James Shea, all the best to you. The book is Religion of the Day. You can get it through the bookstore at the University of Mary in Bismarck, North Dakota. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. We'll continue Real Presence Live. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 